Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jared Allison, another episode of Whiskey with an Agent. This is episode number four. Today, we are going to be talking about contracts. So, uh, where'd it go? Dang it, I lost my... Uh... Oh, I just had it. Well, I don't have my intro. <laughs> so, I'm going to pull Chris up here. What's going on? How much, you know, after a couple episodes, you think we'd have this down fluid by now, but you know, hey. trial by trial. By oh, error. oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Hold on. Pause. Oh. Yes, I found it. It was hidden. I could play it again if you want me to, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> What's going on, man? Not much, brother. Just had my uh, bachelor party over this past weekend, and I'm nice. back, back in the saddle, ready to rock and roll for anybody who needs help buying and selling and investing in a commercial. Sweet, what man. You? What about you? Uh, well, I just I listed two homes just a few mm -hmm. days ago. Nice. And We're at <clears> one in, get the piece in of my uh, info. One in Venetian Bay over in New Smyrna Beach. Okay. And another one in Deltona. And literally the one in New Smyrna Beach, three days on the market. Mm. It was listed at uh well, we're we're still pending, so I'm not gonna talk about pricing or anything, but it took three days mm -hmm. to um to get it under contract. Deltona house went on the market, had a contract that same day. <laughs> so I mean it's 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 on fire. And then I've got another yeah. another small property. That's a it's a one bedroom. It's over in Port Orange off of Dunlot. And actually I have if you if you're ever in the area and you're driving down Dunlot and there's a uh, I have a giant sign. It's like a four foot by six foot sign. My mm. mug is on there. It's about three feet tall. Um, so you'll see me on Dunlot Avenue saying there's a house for sale. And yeah. uh, but it's uh, that one's listed at 250 and we're actually negotiating a contract right now. That one. A little bit harder sale, but uh, hmm. it was. Um, we're, so that we're, one, you know, that one took seven days instead of four. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I mean, and, and it it was uh, it's it's an interesting little property because so it's it's actually zoned neighborhood preservation, hmm. which allows for obviously you know single family, but then also multifamily, or you can even convert it into like a commercial. Uh, office building or something like that so very um, interesting that's cool a lot of a lot of you know variety Potential. that you can do with that so yeah so i guess it depends on like what's going to be the biggest bang for the buck because you since you can go into so many types of avenues so that gives it the kind of a differential in value in terms of the land right so yeah and that was like is there more value in it being a commercial than it might be in the seller's best interest to rezone it for commercial therefore yes. you can sell it for a higher price right so, and that was that was hmm. the hard part trying to trying to Figure pinpoint that, that that price point because if you're just looking at the house then yeah it's you know the it's mm -hmm. it's a small house it's a one bedroom one bath but yeah. if you're looking at the use of the you know the the use of the property and what's around it and what the city of Port Orange is doing. Uh, it's right down the street from that new river walk thing that they're building and, and yeah. everything. So there's, there's a lot of potential for, for growth right there. So it's, mm. uh, it's going to be interesting. So 
Good so luck with we'll that, see. Man. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But like I said, we we should be getting a contract on that one um, here in the next uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning. So fingers crossed for you, man. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. So. so quick question. What are you drinking tonight? Well, you know, I, I'm drinking the same thing I was drinking last time, and that is my go-to Blue Label. Blue Label. Yeah, Blue Label. Blue Label. So the Founders Reserve. But I know you, Chris, you've probably got something different, don't you? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm not sure if I do. mentioned this one. So this one's Red Breast, number 12. Okay. 12 year. Yep. And uh, this was a uh, shout out to Zach Gorodnik, a good buddy of mine who was in town uh, about a month or so ago. And um, we went liquor shop and we shared different um, flavors of whiskey and we got oh, each nice. other. I got him like a Japanese whiskey and he got me this. And oh, uh, I got to cool. say, I love it. It's delicious. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we got to spend more time over the weekend because it came with me. Uh, to the bachelor party so and it very was a great nice. great very time. cool absolutely great time so cool. highly recommended yeah i'll have to try that one of these days i will get me a different kind of whiskey <laughs> hey uh, you got your favorite go-to it's perfectly fine yep well no it's it's good it, it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks i actually just got back from uh from a trip i went to india for a few days i work for the airlines as well and for mm-hmm. anybody that doesn't know, and um, yeah, I did my first trip out to India. So that was that was interesting. It was a 14 hour flight going there and a 14 hour flight coming back. So that's a long, long. Flight. <sighs> do you do you pilots just like take turns sleeping at that point? Yeah. So there's there's four of us on board. And oh, so wow. uh, the first two after we take off and we're, you know, we're cruising. The first two will go back and it was about a six hour break. So they'll go back, take a nap, do whatever. And then they come up and then me and the other pilot go back and take a nap. And we have like our, in this airplane, we have like our own little bunk bed area and stuff where we can actually lay down and, and, uh, and get some actual sleep. So it's, that uh, is so it's, crazy. it's, it's That's not cool. too bad, but it's, it's just a long time to be on an airplane. <laughs> I hope you get like more. I would imagine you get more because it's a longer duration of a flight further away, like cross country, like it's gotta be, or international, I think is the correct term. It's gotta be a better payday for sure. Yeah. 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 It's it, it, uh, like what two days total of unpleasantry for some good pay. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, this one was a four day trip. So we left on Sunday and then I got back this morning, Mm -hmm. uh, back at the house about 10 o'clock this morning. So, and you so don't have any bad. jet lag? Oh, I, I do, but I'm hiding it. I'm hiding it. <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm used to it. I've been doing it long enough now that, yeah, I get back. And I'm I'm tired. You know, I almost fell asleep earlier today, but I usually push through and just get a good night's sleep tonight and, and go for it. So that's awesome. Um, but, but yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. That's what you're drinking. I want to know yep. what everybody else, what are you guys drinking? Um, you drinking whiskey? You drinking beer? Drinking a cocktail, drinking some agua. What do y'all drink? uh, What you got? Let us know. Post something in the comments. Um, Yeah, I just want to see. So we're using a new platform, and I wanted to see if it's if the comments they should be feeding through on my end, Chris. I don't know if you can see them on your end or not. Hold on, I kind of lost it. Let's see here. Nothing yet. I got uh, Jillian. The question is just now. She just so then one of the cool things is so Jillian just posted. I can put it up on the screen. 
How cool is that? Whoa. Yeah, right? <laughs> that is awesome. That is pretty that? cool. So a dog yelling at postman <laughs> or a cop. I think it's I think it's a pilot. So oh, I came I home. You. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs and pilots. That's fine. That is so cool. So what a cool system. Um yeah, it is it is pretty cool. And uh-huh. once I uh get it figured out, then it'll be even better. <laughs> Awesome. Um, right. so, so get into the subject. Yes. So yeah. uh, today, so in the last episode, we talked about getting your house ready to get listed, going on the mm-hmm. market, all mm-hmm. that stuff. That was episode three. So if you want to see that, I'll actually put a link to it in the comments. Um, that way you can go back and rinse because uh, we may reference it. So go back and watch it and know what we're talking about. But we talked about getting your house listed. So kind of the next step is, you know, you're listed, you're on the market and you're going to start getting offers just like, you know, the house, the couple of houses that, that I just listed, we started getting offers and we've got to go through those contracts and start mm-hmm. deciphering the good from the bad and, you know, the little gotchas. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the contracts. We're not going to get too detailed. I'm not a lawyer. I don't think Chris, you went to law Definitely school at no. all. So we're both, neither one of us are lawyers. So yeah. if you actually need legal advice, go talk to a lawyer. If you want to sit here and watch us talk about contracts and drink whiskey, hang out and then go talk to a lawyer and tell them what we said. (laughs) This is probably going to be the one of the most boring podcasts we did because it's no one wants to hear about contracts. It's all about getting into the weeds. We're trying not to get into the weeds of things. Just really kind of give the basic understanding of it. That's the today's subject or or the goal rather. So if we get too far into the weeds, because I like to go into nuances of things and scenarios. So Jared, when you, when you see me start going too deep, you reel me back. Right. So one of the nice things with this system is I can just completely cut you out of the video and your sound and everything. That's great. And uh, to myself for a minute before (laughs) I realize it. Got it. So I'll just let you keep going and I'll just turn you off and we'll, I'll keep talking. And when it looks like uh, you're done, I'll turn turn it back on. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's see. Uh, Derek is drinking Jameson, uh, Jameson with, with the glass. A rat. Derek, do you drink ice with your Jameson or are you just drinking it straight or neat, as they would say? Um, I got five bucks on neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. All right, so uh, contract. So like Chris said, we're not going to go too deep into it. We just want to hit a lot of the highlights. Um, things that, you know, when you are when you get a contract, when your agent, your realtor sends you a contract, that you can look through it and at least know some of the things that, um, dang it, <laughs> he said he drinks it neat, whatever. Yes, my man. All right, then. Um, so... So yeah, let's, let's, uh, well, first before I, so I'm going to do a screen share and we're going to pull up a contract here and kind of go through it. But, well, um, before we get into that, we got to say there's two types of contracts right now. Correct. So there is the far bar contract and let's just like to give everyone kind of a small little backstory. The far bar is the Florida bar and the Florida realtors, the border realtors. All right. So they came together and they created a very concise, easy to read legible for the everyday person or consumer 
who reads these um, these contracts. So they came together and they created the two types of contracts. The first one is the FAR bar, and the other one is the FAR bar as is, which is the most commonly used contract today. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and give you a brief understanding of both of them. So, Jared, which one are we going to cover first? Well, what a when it's so what you said there's there's a there's an as is contract and then mm-hmm. the other one is kind of a non as is is that's kind of how i think of it it's you know there's some repairs that are involved with the mm-hmm. far bar contract um the one that i typically use is the you know like you said the as is contract mm-hmm. um the far bar so just to go over the main difference is the far bar contract it requires the seller to actually do some repairs after the inspection is completed. So let's say a buyer comes to your house, they give you a contract and they come and do the inspection. They find a few things that are wrong with the house. The The seller is actually responsible to fix certain mm-hmm. items up to a certain amount that you've negotiated into the contract. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've not used one of these contracts because we use, I use the as is pretty much almost, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Have you actually used the, the far bar at all? Almost. I almost had, uh, I had an opportunity to use one because that was what the seller had requested. Um, is an actual far bar contract where, um, repairs the amount is going to be kind of baked into the contract. Whereas the as is, is right to uh right to inspection and the right to cancel that's the that's a significant difference with the fire bar you're essentially locked in unless financing dictates otherwise uh whereas the contract is that you have what's called an inspection period to where you can back out with your deposit so there's one that's really loose and then there's one where you're stuck you're locked in and that's where we're going to pretty much significant difference so we're going to go into it further to really kind of hammer the point home that the true difference is just one has a right to cancel and the other one does not. Correct. So you want me to throw the, uh, let me do the screen share and let's see which, wait, 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 wait. There it wait is. For it. There it is. <laughs> is that, is that good? Can you see it on, let me know if you can see in the, uh, let me know in the comments if you guys can see that. Okay. Uh, we also have another listener that just joined with us it is Marsha. What's going on, Marsha? And Jillian, don't forget Jillian. Oh yeah, well no, I I mentioned her. She's the one that posted the dog and. Oh, the, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jillian. Dog, My bad. Something and and uh, and pilot, and we got. Um, Marcia said, "Hey, Jared, Allison, you are a top-notch realtor." Well, thank you, thank you. I will I agree do my to that. Best. And cheers to it. I do my best. All right, so we should be able to zoom in a little bit better to give thing to give. Uh, to give the viewers a little bit better of a, there we go, much better. Okay. So, actually, let me just so you can see the whole, the whole thing. All right. So, uh, so I mean, starting at the top here, and you know, names, address, legal description, that all comes from the county tax records. Um, well, your name doesn't, but. The uh, the address in the legal description, the tax ID number, all that stuff. So that all comes from the county tax records. Uh, you can find it on your local local county appraiser website. Um, other what you know? I was gonna say, Derek. We see your question. Um, oh. When we get to the inspection part, 
of this contract, we'll definitely circle back with you on that. Okay. Okay. He's got a great question about does the home inspection really cover the pool and making sure it's up to standard. So we'll, we'll definitely address that here very shortly. All right. Um, I don't want to skip around, you know? Yeah. Let's see. So personal property, do you, do you typically put uh, things in here, Chris? Yes. So okay. can you scroll over just a little bit to the, to the left? That way we can see more. Okay. So section that way people have a point of reference oh, there we go. for like section yep. D. So if you can get the, uh, um, that's perfect. So section D is the terms of personal property. Now, the as is contract is already when it comes to personal property, we're talking about mainly the appliances, refrigerator, the dishwasher, disposal, everything is kind of written out black and white right there on that paper. Anything else that you can see here on the bottom of section D, other personal property items included in the purchase. It could be a secondary fridge. A very common place for a second fridge is the garage, yes. um, a freezer, um, a grill that's kind of uh, fixed to um, to the wall outside. There's a couple of number of things that could be considered uh, personal property that could convey with the uh, with con that can convey with a purchase, and that's where you would put it. Now there are some things in section E, as you can see here, the following items to be excluded upon the purchase. Now right. sometimes the seller had just bought like a five thousand dollar fridge, so therefore they're going to take that fridge with them, which is completely understandable. However, right. so and that's where they will put it right there. Yes. Uh, a, a right there. Now, one yep. thing you make sure you have to negotiate when you know that is that they replace the fridge of something of a similar quality. That's right. something that I always advocate for, uh, yes. unless you wanted to get your own. So there, anytime that's something that is typically fixed in the property, you I would recommend to negotiate something of like quality. Doesn't yep. have to be the five thousand dollar fridge, <clears throat> but if it's a stainless steel, you want to make sure you get a stainless steel. Correct. Um, that's something that I always uh, advocate for. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I excluded upon purchase price, personal property could be almost anything that is already baked into the contract, and that's super important. Yeah, super important. I have a horror story. I don't want to get too much into the weeds with it, but oh, okay. This a contracts going through contracts is, is a pretty long process, so I don't yeah. want to get too off on tangents. Well, if if, if uh, when we get to the end, if you want to if you want to talk about your horror story, then we all can right. do that. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So yeah, I mean that's that's it's yeah, it's pretty straightforward. But just make sure that you know whatever is in these boxes actually makes sense when you're looking mm -hmm. at it. Um, yeah. You know, and they don't they're not putting some weird things that you know it's just just yeah mm -hmm. just look it's at. also very important to know what kind of financing you have save for for fha appliance fha and va appliances must be True. in yeah. the property yeah. yeah so what i mean by that is like the the kitchen appliances must convey with the property like or they must be in there before closing or else you're not going to be able to close in a loan um, that's if it was conventional loan, doesn't matter. It could, you could have no appliances. It could just be a shell of a house and you could still go ahead. But so it, it's really, you got to know what kind of financing that you have and make sure that some of those appliances do convey the only personal property that can and can't be there is, um, washer and dryer. So washer and dryer is a big thing. Don't assume that it conveys with the purchase of the property because it does yeah. not. 
that is considered a personal property. So that is something right there on uh, for section D on personal items to be included right here. Yep. Yeah. So if you want that washer and dryer, make sure it is in here. If not, the sellers are, they have all the right to to take it with them. Take it. Yep. And you know, you have no recourse at the end. If it's not in the contract, then you know, not there. You can't assume it's all about writing. Correct. So okay. one of the, one of the things I've learned about contracts and, you know, my dad's always said is, you know, just because you and I might know each other and, and we know, you know, we're good to verbally say, yes, you can have this or you can do that. But if it ever has to go to the court, the judge, the lawyers, nobody knows what you and I talked about. So yeah. you've got to put it in writing. So if it's yep. not in writing, it's like it never happened. So exactly. that's why these it's... are that's why these are so important. Mm hmm. Yep, it's a and if the realtor doesn't do their job correctly, that realtor could end up paying for a new piece of appliance. Correct, and that has happened in the past. I've yes, heard stories where they've bought new refrigerators, part, washer and dryers, and yep, that's yes. part of my horror story. Oh boy, <laughs> good thing it didn't come out of my pocket. That's so good. purchase price. Purchase price. So pretty straightforward. Purchase price here on this line. Uh, these are just some dummy numbers I just threw in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have the purchase price and then you have the initial deposit to be held in escrow. So this is typically you want to see at least 1%. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I, I typically, if somebody does less than 1%, I go back to them. I say, we got to see at least 1% mm-hmm. uh, or a minimum of, you know, 1500 bucks. I really don't like to go less than 1500 bucks. 2% is, is, is key. You can actually take uh, do an initial deposit of 1% and then you have an option down here. I'm kind of skipping around a little bit, but we're talking about escrows. So you have a, uh, where's it at? Um, it's right, right there. here. Yeah. So B. and I put 50,000, I meant to put yeah, 5,000. Dish- there we go. Right. Yeah. Additional deposit. So, so yeah, the second deposit and typically that's done after the inspection uh, period is complete. So that would mm-hmm. be an additional deposit after the inspection period. And it's just to kind of help seal the deal uh, to show the, yeah. the the seller that you're serious um, mm-hmm. about buying the house. Yep. So, it, is a, it is a strategy to do a second deposit. And the yes. larger the, the deposit, to more, the more you're essentially willing to show at risk and you're conveying more seriousness to any seller because it's easy to throw up 1500 bucks or just one percent and if it's a multiple offer situation i can guarantee you majority of people are doing that one percent but if you come out of the gate swinging Mm -hmm. i'm willing to put if you have the money if you have the money and you're willing to put say Ten thousand plus up front, yes. and yeah. for in this case, it's five hundred thousand dollars. So, if you are willing to put like an excessive amount of money into an escrow deposit, you yeah. are telling the seller, "This is how serious I am." Yes. Because essentially, with an as-is contract, what we're talking about here is that you're you're conveying absolute seriousness, and now yes. you're willing to risk ten plus thousand dollars. Now, Correct. again, not everyone has this and you have to play within your scope. But say right. if you have only 5000 or 10000 in this case and you want to try to play a little manipulation and actually say, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and deposit 5000 now. And then at the end of the inspection period, I'll go ahead and deposit another 5000 showing conveying more seriousness. I've done Correct. this strategy many times and I've actually gotten 
um, many offers accepted this way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good way to win contracts because yes, yeah, is. you're 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 you start putting a lot of deposit down. It it really says a lot, you know, how serious the buyer is. So mm-hmm. as a seller, that's a great thing to look at. As a buyer, it's a great thing to look at. So yes, it's 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 yeah. good on both sides. Yep. Um, Let's see. Most of the deposit. So the first deposit is going to be done uh, typically within three days. Uh, mm-hmm. You can do a deposit that accompanies the offer. So as you hand the the seller the offer, you're also handing them some sort of check, cashier's check or, or you know, a whatever. Take or a, a picture of the check. check. Um, just something that shows that the five thousand bucks. As soon as they accept it, it's it's going into escrow. Yep. Um, we have the the title company information. That's who you're gonna your closing agent's gonna be, mm-hmm. um, and then we have. Um, so I had a contract that we just got today, and and the other the buyer's agent did fill. They didn't fill any of this out. They put in the amount. They put in the deposit, and then they put in the amount to bring to closing. But they didn't just- fill. That's just and laziness. Yeah. And, and uh, I, because you're telling everyone, the lender and the title company, that it's wrong. Right. Or you're, you're not filling in that. It's super important, especially if you're financing. Yes. You need to put Section C, finance, express as a dollar amount or percentage of, of the loan amount. So Correct. if you're doing 10%, you do $500,000 uh, times 0.9, so 90%. Right, and then you go ahead and you minus ten thousand dollars because you put five thousand escrow. You put another five thousand dollars in addition, and that yes. will tell you exactly how much you're financing. It's yes. super simple math, and the fact that that agent didn't do it just invokes laziness. So, as a, a as a someone who's representing a seller, and I see this, I'm like, if he's being lazy on this, what else are they being lazy on? Right, and then you need to go and scrutinize the the contract and go through with a, a finer tooth comb Um, and there is something that we need to make sure we address is that our contracts fall on two types of days there is uh, business days and then there are calendar days there's a significant difference and there's a lot of back and forth on um, what days kind of fall upon yes so your initial deposit due within three days so this is a common question i get jared i don't know about you it's like, yeah. okay, so the question typically comes out, so when do we deposit this? Before a contract's accepted or what? And I'm saying, so when the contract comes back, if you're represent the buyer and you are the buyer, if the contract comes back to you signed by the seller, that mm-hmm. is considered the effective date. Correct. The following day is considered day one because yeah. you have 24 hours in a day. So Correct. if the contract came back at 11.50 at night, there's no way day one, day one's over. So right. that's the effective date. So day one starts on the following day. And Correct. then you count three days to that. Right. And the same thing applies for, or actually not the same thing applies, but should that third day fall on a weekend, Saturday, Correct. Sunday, yes. or a national holiday, mm-hmm. that third day automatically extends to the next. Because we just had Columbus to Day the next on Monday. Business day. Exactly. So we just had Columbus Day. So if you want your contract on Friday, Saturday is gone, Sunday is gone, Monday is gone. So Tuesday is your day to turn in that deposit. Yes. Hmm. Yep. So it's, it's, uh, and I think it's even by 5 p.m. on the next business days. 
Yes, that's correct. Because you're falling under business day. And the reason why that is, is because title companies nine to five and banks are nine to five with the occasional six o'clock, depending on who your bank is, your banking institute. So that falls under a business day. So, Correct. so long as you get the deposit in and you can show proof, whether it be like a, a proof of receipt or a picture, um, and you turn that in, you're, you're good. You're, you're not in a breach of contract per se. Yes. So, um, so that, you know, that's for the escrow and that kind of, that holds true with, with all dates through the contract. So as you see dates, um, sorry, what, Cole, indigenous oh, people day, excuse me. Yes. Well, you know, and, and you you had said that, and I was I was going to correct you, but then I was like, "Well, uh, we're 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 not here for that dispute. We're here to talk about contracts." <laughs> yeah, but that's yes. a different different subject. Um, so we just got something. Monica just joined us. She missed the beginning. What's the subject? So we just covered um, days. There are two types of days of the contract. There is calendar days and there are business days. Calendar days fall from a 24-hour cycle, so uh, 12, 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. And then business days are essentially 9 to 5. Yes. And also, Monica, we're talking about real estate contracts. I don't know. She said she missed the beginning. What's the subject? I'm not sure where she where she jumped in. But we're talking about real estate contracts. And if you're selling a house or buying a house and you have a contract, you're going to make an offer, you need to be able to you know, have a little bit of familiarity with what you're, what you're filling out, what your realtor's filling out, and then what you're, you're ultimately signing and responsible for at the end of the day. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. So, um, so we've kind of covered the financing purchase or the purchase price section, uh, mm -hmm. with escrow and how to fill these out, what to look for, Basically, just you know, your your realtor should be able to look at this real quick. Like I said on that that last contract that I had, this was just all messed. He actually had the amount uh, the that was, or he had the balance to close as the amount of what the loan was going to be. So he had it as the buyer was going to bring, you know, like three hundred thousand dollars to closing, and I was like, well, that's not that's not because that's that's not right because those numbers aren't adding up. Right. And so it's just, it's something that it was an oversight on his part and, uh, but we got it corrected. And, uh, so it's just one of those things you got to make sure that it's, mm -hmm. it's all and, set and good. And you're right, Monica, it can be overwhelming as a consumer or a seller or a buyer, yeah. but I, that's what you hire us for as agents is to make sure that we look over these details for you when we're representing you. Yeah. As a buyer yeah. uh, and making sure that your offer is clean and presentable uh, and not missing any details when being presented because the uh, seller is being represented by a realtor as well. And they're looking through these contracts and making sure it's like, is this person, excuse me, is this person lazy or are they actually right. presenting yeah. a clean, well thought out, easy to understand offer? Exactly. And that goes a very long way. Um, you, I cannot tell you how many times I get offers that are just um, half filled out. And it's just yes. like, what do you, what do you present in here? Yeah. I, yeah. You know, and, and you, yeah, it's, it's so it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Um, should we do time of acceptance? Uh, yeah. So time of acceptance, you know, this, this one's pretty straightforward. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, you get a contract, you know, an offer today and right now, most, most buyers, they want to see some sort of response by the next, the next day. 
or the same um, day and they, or, they just or, push that yeah or even the same day as a seller don't let a buyer push you into you know making a, a decision on the whim because you're going to end up missing something or you know i think in my opinion everybody needs at least one night to sleep on it you know to because i mean sometimes i have my best ideas and my best you know aha moments when i wake up in the morning and i'm like wait a second here's a good idea I like mm. what's in the contract, but let me change this one thing. Yep. But if I go and I just, you know, sign it right away, then it's, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to be, ultimately, I'm not going to be happy with it. So, yeah. um, and, the, and the way this market is too, it's also about understanding your market. When, when right now there are 3.8 offers per sold home on average, then you're better off waiting a couple of days to see what else comes in. Correct. Um, most homes come on the market on a Thursday or a Friday, let the weekend play out, and then yep. you review all offers. So I yes. guarantee in this market, depending on where you are, you're going to get an offer within the first 24 hours. Yep. And should that offer you know, say, oh, you have to respond in 12 hours or the next morning, be like, no. Like, no. I guarantee you'll still be here on Monday wanting to yes. buy this house. So. Yes. That's well, creating, trying to create that sense of urgency. It is saying that is. you mean these buyers are going to walk away is not yes. realistic in this market at all. And it's, it's ultimately, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a strategy. It's, it's not even, you know, it's not a well called what I thought out one. As yeah, says. but it, it, but it, nonetheless, it is a strategy to try to create that sense of uh, urgency, like you said. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. but it, it, right now in this kind of market, it doesn't work in a, in a buyer's, buyer's market, market normal 100 yes. 100 of course it would work but you know when somebody comes to me and says they need to know today i said mm -hmm. well i'll just i'll get back to you after i get you know through the other five offers that i already have that don't need to know anything until tomorrow yep. so if you're still around then you know we'll we'll talk but mm -hmm. it's um so um so offer acceptance if you're a seller don't you know don't get into a frenzy saying, oh, we're going to lose the buyer. We're going to lose the buyer. There's yeah. so few houses out there right now that if somebody took the time to look at your house, come up with a price and fill out a contract and sign it and send it to you, they're not just going to walk away because There's chances no are this is the only house that they're looking at right now because there's so few on the market mm -hmm. and they're afraid that they've, they've probably already missed, you know, four or five other houses because yeah. they got outbid or whatever. So they're, they're death. The buyers are desperate right now. Exactly. So, so when you push that time of acceptance, you know, as a seller, don't necessarily worry about that. Um, as a buyer, you gotta, you gotta look at at least 24 hours, give, yes. Especially yep. if you know the market at the house just came on on a Friday, right. make right. that acceptance date to say Monday or Tuesday. And I yes. do this. I, I honestly yeah. do this. I make it a prolong. That yeah. way it shows that, hey, we're here. Here's our offer. You have plenty right. of time. I understand there's more offers. It's inevitable right now in this market. And just kind of play to what they want. And I actually, when it comes to the close date, now I actually leave that open. Because some sellers are looking for their next house as well. Correct. So in that case, just like, hey, seller, what's the best day for you? Yeah. Go ahead, put it in there. That works. Yeah. But if you're on a time crunch, things can different can play out. And plus, yeah. if you leave the time of acceptance longer, you don't have to come back and correct that if they choose your offer. 
Right. You know? That's true. And, and I'll even sometimes go as far as I'll just leave that section blank as well, because hmm. I'm I'm here to, to buy a house. I mean, if you accept it today or you accept it tomorrow, I mean, if it's a good offer, you're going to accept it. If it's a bad offer, you're going to come back with a counter because you want to yeah. sell your house. I want to buy your house. Yep. So there's a there's a mutual agreement there that we both want something out of this deal. So yep. there's no sense if it's a good enough offer, I shouldn't have to pressure you into just signing something. So sometimes I'll leave that blank. And then if for some reason we, you know, the buyers change, you know, they change your mind, we just send a cancellation and and then we're done. You know, we move on to the next one. Yep. Um, or the the seller is going to choose somebody else and we don't win the we don't win the offer and and then again, we move on to the next one. So sometimes I'll leave blank. I've never actually left the, the closing date uh, blank, but um, I usually put something in there just because, uh, you know, I, I, not to not to rush the sellers, but just to let them know is like, hey, I'm I I can close, you know, by this date or I, you know, I'm, you know, as a buyer, I'm selling my house. And I cannot close until this date. So I mm-hmm. want the seller to know what my situation is. So I'll put something in there. But usually, I'll, you know, yeah. as, as an agent, I'll, I'll let the other agent know, say, hey, I put in, you know, November 30th. But, you know, my buyers are good for, you know, November 15th or they can't do it until they have to be November 30th or later or something. Yeah. And um I think that also just having a conversation with the agent. So many yes. times I've gotten offers and I've never had a single communication Correct. with this agent other than Correct. I want to see the house or I want to show the house. Right. So it's um it's also that kind of building that relationship and that connectivity, yeah. um, that connection, excuse me. That way you can kind of see, say, hey, um, Joe Listing, um, what is the seller essentially looking for for a time frame? Are they do they already have a house lined up, or are they right. um, do are they looking for a house? What kind of situation are they in? And they'll tell you, they'll tell you flat out like what is going on with their seller situation. And essentially, without going too much into detail, because they have a fiduciary relationship to the seller of what it is. What their was that scenario word again? Is. What was that fiduciary, word again? Fiduciary, fiduciary, fiduciary. Yeah. Did I did I butcher it? <laughs> no, I was just. Most people, I, first time I heard that word, I was like, I, what does that mean? But right? yeah, um, it's, it's a weird word. Okay. So moving on, but before we go too further, the yeah. very last sentence, uh, where it says bottom of page one of 12, you see where it says, can you zoom in anyway on the revision six nineteen? Uh, let's see where you're talking about here. right there. Oh, right, right there. Here. The mouse is over it. Yep. Yep. Right there. There are still agents who use outdated contracts. So as a uh, as a buyer's agent and as a seller's agent, it's super important that you are using the correct contract because contracts change over time. And the last revision is right there. Revision, yes. June, 9, June of 2019, uh, off of the 2017 Florida Realtors. That's, uh, so an actual change is actually coming right now. The Florida Realtors just released a... a brand new statement of what is going to be changing hasn't taken in place yet hasn't taken effect yet but it's coming so as a listing agent one of the first things i'm looking at is pe- bottom of page one yeah which revision of the, which contract are they using and i've called out uh many agents uh experienced agents and i said like, this is a contract I've been using for years i'm like yeah but it's out of date <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, um, so moving on uh, extension. So this is important. Number five, number five is very important. Automatic extensions of the clo- of the contract. Yes. Jerry, do you want to take it or should I? No, go for it. Okay. So there are two reasons why a contract can um, automatically extend. So it says here in section A, if paragraph 8B is checked, so if you want to, um, it's a, paragraph 8B is essentially the financing section, which we'll yes. get to. Uh, it's checked closing funds from the buyer's lenders are not available on the closing date due to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is the CFPB. Uh, closing disclosure uh, delivery requirements, then closing date shall extend for a period necessary to satisfy the CFP requirements. Um, and it shall exceed 10 days. So right there, if the lender does not have, and this actually happened to me, I was representing a seller and a seller wanted to call break, a breach of contract, but the funds were not available by the lender. It's not simply not, not just meaning like the funds are not really available, but the um the closing disclosure process was not filled out and wasn't able to be issued within a certain period of time so therefore the contract already medically kind of extended and that's really important and so the second reason why a contract can automatically extend because this also happened to me during a hurricane is in a, a section b saying force majeure which is in short meaning is yes. an act of god a Correct. flood, a hurricane, even a terrorist, a, a new, um, a new, the, the new contract will actually have foreign and domestic terrorism acts. Yep. Yep. Ever since the January 6th incident. So um, that is coming. So force majeure, essentially an act of God or something beyond the, the control that forces a delay in the closing. Yep. Yeah. So section six. Um, all right. So, uh, this one is, is more so if you're going to be renting or leasing back the property or, or if there's going to be, if you have tenants, this, I don't really run into very often. I mean, Mm-mm. um, so it's, it's not something as, as a seller or a buyer that you really have to be too concerned about. Um, if you're, if you're renting, uh, if, if you have like a second home or investment home that you're renting out, then this is something that you're going to have to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, if you're, if, if you're looking, if you don't have the means to purchase a rental cash and Jared, I'm sorry to, to, to cut you off. If you don't yeah. have the means to, uh, to buy a property cash for a rental investment, but you can have enough uh, for a down payment to, for financing, the down payment is about 20% now for rentals uh, or more. And, if you intend on actually um, leasing the property, that is the box you want to check, section B. And then yep. what they'll want to see is called the post-closing occupancy. Um, and it's about 12-page document, just like another contract about a lease agreement. So right. it's that is what right. you would normally do. But yep. typically, number six falls right in category with number seven, which is assignability. Correct. So... I actually have a, a contract now where, uh, so let me, let's talk about it real quick. So assignability, uh, and this is from the buyer side. So that you have three options. Either the buyer may assign it to somebody else and not be responsible. The buyer may assign it and still be liable, or the buyer may not assign it to anybody. What that means is they get their name on the contract. They, they execute the, uh, the contract, you know, you have an agreement. And then now that buyer, 
wants to pass it pass the the sale on to somebody else it, it could be you know anybody you, you don't know who they're going to pass it on to and then whether or not that person who signed the contract is still liable so let's say they pass it on to somebody that other person flakes out doesn't buy it the original person is is long gone you'll never hear from they're not liable for the contract mm-hmm. so that first option here uh this one right here i get pretty nervous about if i ever see that and you'll sometimes you'll see that from investors who are just or yeah wholesalers investors they come in they're just they're just buying it and then as soon as they get a contract they're it's like the stock market i mean they go and they wave it and they say i've got this contract who wants it i'm gonna sell it to you for more money and then they Mm -hmm. assign it to them and hopefully they they go on through Mm -hmm. um i just had a contract on uh, that came through where the buyer selected this one. And, and I, I called the, uh, the buyer's agent and I asked him, I said, Hey, what's going on here? Why are we assigning? Who are we assigning it to? Um, and in this case, so it's an investor and he may want to assign it to, so he's, he's got his name on it. He may want to assign it to one of his LLCs or something like that. So mm-hmm. not, not a super big deal. And he's still liable. So if his LLC or if he decided to assign it to somebody else, if mm. that other person doesn't buy it yeah. or follow through, then that original person is still liable. So this one is is not too bad. The most common one is going to be may not assign this contract. That means mm-hmm. whoever's name is on this contract is the person that is going to uh, follow through and purchase the, the the property. So that is the most common one. Um, that is the one I I. 99% of the time I see, except for the one contract that I just had where it was um, this one right here. An- another reason people do it is, you know, it might be a family member that's putting it, you know, getting the contract going, and then they're going to assign it to another family member mm-hmm. because they're trying to help them buy a house or something like that. It's it's nothing that, um, typically, it's nothing that is, uh, it's not a scam or anything like that, but but it is something just to be aware of if if it's anything out of the ordinary. If it's not this, then you want to ask questions. What's going on? And that's what we yeah. did. You know, I asked the, the agent yeah. questions. You know, have you seen, do you see a lot of that? Um, investors predominantly, yeah. yes. Yeah. I did have one. Um, it was a condo. We sold it. It was definitely a little undervalued because it was a little roughed up. Um, and the buyer was an investor and he did have it, uh, buyer may assign and thereby release from for liability. Yeah. And so it did get transferred and luckily the, that new investor did purchase the property. Now it does manipulate the numbers at the end of the day, uh, but it all, the math still works out because what happens is typically with a wholesaler say, Hey, I have a contract for $150,000. Mm-hmm. I will sell it to investor B for $155,000. So therefore he goes under contract, investor B goes under contract for 155,000 and investor A takes that $5,000 difference and dips. Yes. And says thank you. Yep. And so that is a, a very common move. That's something that I got to experience, but yes, um, Jared, I'm with you 99% of the time. Yep. You're looking at may not assign this contract because if investor A comes in uh, and assigns it to somebody else, there's nothing promising that investor B 
from continuing the contract. And it could be day seven of a day of eight day uh, inspection period. And that, and that investor dips out and great. Now you're out seven days of a contract with a, so the buyer who wasn't serious to begin with. Correct. So it's, 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 it's very important that we know who really is kind of by, is this someone who's planning on living in it or is this someone that acts is that's an investor? Correct. Yeah. So, so again, it's, it's one of those things. If, if it's out of the ordinary, talk to your agent about it, let them talk to the other agent and figure out we assigning it and, and what's, what's going on. And, yeah. but it's, so, you know, cause, cause what we're talking about here is just for you as the homeowner or the home buyer to know when you, when you see these contracts, you I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on here. So this is just for you to kind of be able to go through and be like, yes, I remember. Um, yes. I, I remember them talking about that and it's not main that, you know, it's not the, the checkbox that I, I think should be checked is not. So I'm going to have my agent. So you're aware of these things now. Yeah. Um, so you're going to talk to your agent and you say, Hey, this is different. <laughs> this is different. Yeah. What's, going, What's on? going on? So, cause otherwise you just breeze right through and be like, okay, there's a yeah. check box. That one's checked. That one's checked. And you, yep. you know, you're not really thinking about what is what. So, mm. and, yeah. and Jared, would you agree that these contracts are really for the seller of the buyer's intentions? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Do you, do you kind of see what I mean by that? It's like, yeah. it's for the seller to understand what the intentions of your buyer is. Correct. So these contracts, yeah. yes, they're for both people, but for predominantly, it's you selling your asset to somebody. And you want to make sure that with, right. with anything that you're selling to, the person that you're selling to has clear intentions and that right. you understand those clear intentions. Right. So that's what these contracts and why it's so yeah. important and why over the course of all of real estate um contracts over the years the documents just kind of keep getting thicker because of situations that yes. uh, that occur yeah so this contract is not is 12 pages the new contract i believe is uh 15 pages yep. just because of new situations that have occurred yeah. So um, we're only on page two of 12 and we're about an hour into it. So yeah. we're going to be speeding this up a little bit. So um, if you have yeah. anybody has any detailed questions, feel free to put them in the chat. And we'll address. Yeah. Them, okay. Yeah. Throw um, them in the chat. We'll we'll answer them. But um, yep. so so most of the, you know, most of the stuff. So there's I mean, you can look through this contract. There's a lot of verbiage that's yeah. going on here. What really we want to concentrate on is the spots where that the spots that can be altered. I mean, the rest of the stuff, nobody's going to alter, you know, all this language down here. These, this was written by lawyers. It was written by, uh -huh. you know, other real estate agents and lawyers and, and everything that everybody that has, you know, law degrees and, and whatnot, but yeah, everything that can be altered. That's what, you know, I, I really want to want to cover here. So uh -huh. let's jump into the financing part of it. So, I mean, essentially there's, there's two options. You either have cash or you're going to get some sort of loan. Uh, there are, you know, some other oddball uh, kind of things. There's still loans. You know, you can do owner financing, stuff like that. But essentially, the brass tax is somebody's either paying cash or they're getting a loan through a bank or from somewhere. Yeah. Um, if they're getting, if they're doing cash, it's going to be option A. And that's, that's 
pretty, you know, it's almost, it's as simple as that. There's really no complex, you know, gotchas there. It's either cash or it's no, not. It's exactly. So, uh, the other one is, um, uh, you're going to have a loan and then the, the buyer is going to select what type of loan that they're going to have. It's either going to be conventional FHA, VA, or some other type of loan that, you know, they've mm-hmm. come up with or whatever the bank, you know, maybe mm-hmm. thought up a new name or something. I don't know. Yeah. So you got USDA or owner yeah. finance or hard yeah. money, whatever the case may be. That way the title company has a, has a greater understanding of like what's going on. Title company or lawyer. Um, so the next series of blanks, as you can see, there's a lot of them there. Yeah. Um, so you have a loan within, if left blank, 30 days. And that is essentially called your loan approval period. And that's very important to understand that you have a loan approval period. Because yes. it's although you have like a close date, you still have to obtain the loan itself Correct. within yes. that close date. And if the seller wants a, a closer loan date then you need to talk to your lender as a buyer and be like hey can can we obtain a loan approval in 20 days and if they say no then you better not put 20 days on there so um it's really important because that's a safe that's a safe period right there that's another way so if you're past your inspection period and you're within your loan um loan approval period and the loan officer comes back and says hey unfortunately you can't qualify for this loan yes well they're going to issue what's called a loan denial letter yes and then you will turn that into the um the seller and you will get your deposit back and back out if you are so say if you have a 35 day close and you only have a 30 day loan period if the seller comes back on day 31 and requests the loan approval like a, a an actual statement saying that you have loan approval and you mm-hmm. don't he can claim breach on you yes. and take your deposit and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it yeah so it's and very important there's there's nothing wrong with getting up to you know day 20 day 25 and that happens it can happen mm-hmm. your your lender calls you back and says hey uh talking to my underwriter and he needs some more information we're not going to be able to do it in 30 days. We're not going to hit the deadline. So what you do as a buyer is you, you create, you, you write an extension. You, you ask the seller for an extention. You tell them, you be honest, you tell them, Hey, I've got to provide more information to my underwriter. We're almost there and they just need a little bit more information. We're going to be able to close it in 35 days instead of 30. Mm -hmm. You ask for the extension. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't know unless, you know, unless you know, you know, there, there's something shady going on, but I've never had somebody come back. And I mean, most of the, most of the time you're closing within the allotted time anyways, but if you have to extend, I, I haven't had well, any issues. Where I, a I seller have to extend is, a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, most of, most of the sellers are going to come back and yeah. say, okay, that's, I well, mean, there's, they're so far invested into it and we're, you're almost there. Chances mm-hmm. of them backing out at that point. Yeah, or it's pretty slim. And when yes. I say like I have to do that a lot, it, I mean that on the seller side. Like when I yeah. represent the seller, I yeah. am if if I am not um, 
on them hardcore about what's happening on a weekly basis or Mm -hmm. twice a week like what's going on where we at where we at where we at and if i'm not being if i'm not getting the communication i'm my red flag is starting to get raised like something's happening and you and you gotta start preparing your seller for a possible extension of it or Um, or a a cancellation because i've had that you know when, when the buyer when the buyers go dark and I don't hear from them after multiple texts and emails, mm-hmm. I start getting nervous. And typically yeah. in my experience, it's, I get a, I eventually get an email or a response back saying, Hey, we're going to have to cancel. And mm-hmm. then it just, you know, it, it, yeah. so it, uh, but nonetheless, um, again, just being able to, to recognize this stuff, uh, what yeah. kind of loan, um, the, the buyer is going to, uh, go after whether it's conventional FHA, VA, mm-hmm. um, or one of the others that Chris talked about, USDA or owner financing, something like that. The time here, and you know, we have to abide by this time. Unless we put something different, we could put thirty-five days. You, the buyer yeah, may have talked easily. to the to the lender and said, "Hey, there's I can't I can't do a loan in thirty days. This type of loan is going to take me at least forty. So you put forty yep. here. There's nothing wrong with that, um, but." It just you have to be aware of these dates as a seller and a buyer, uh, and then also kind of moving through. You have fixed, adjustable, or you know a combination of the two as far as interest rates. Most of the time, I see fixed rates. I don't you know really see adjustable rates, especially mm-hmm. now. I mean, the rates are so low. Everybody wants a fixed rate at you know two point nine nine percent, whatever it is right now. Um, and then uh, you know. It, not to exceed a certain percentage. I mean, that's you know, usually I, I, always left blank. That's yeah, usually I, I always left blank. Yeah. So, and then the, the, for terms, you know, and that's, it could be a 15, 20, 30 year loan. Yeah. They, they even have 40 year loans now. You know that they're doing what? 40 year, they're doing 40 year loans. I've seen that doesn't sound right. I don't, they? I don't or recommend is? it, but I don't recommend that either. Unless, unless you're going to do a 40 year loan, but pay it like it's a, you know, a 15 year or, or something, but that's, that's a whole nother yeah. topic. Yeah. Um, and then I should uh, make mortgage payment loan application for the financing within five days of the blank. Well, typically majority of the time when you're submitting an offer, you're submitting a pre-approval letter. You've already, so done you've it. already done it. Yes. So it's already checked off. Yep. So that one's already done. Mm-hmm. So typically not even a, an issue. So let's keep going. Um, this section here, I mean, I don't. I never touched that. No. It's it's not applicable for the majority of the of yeah uh, of the scenarios. Uh, yep. But this section right here, closing costs, fees, and charges. So yes. we're now in the the era I call the era of no before you owe. So we are now in the area of over disclosures and make sure that the consumers understand what costs. What yep. are the fees? And everything is disclosed. Uh, but because of the 2006, not everything was known or properly disclosed by, by lenders to, to consumers. Right. Um, so we're in the era of no before your O, and section A is cost to be paid by the sellers. You can see it there, and majority of these are either percentage-based or they're a flat rate. So doc right. stamps on the deed, that's a percentage. It's 0.007% right. of the contract price. Owner's mm-hmm. policy, the title search, uh, the municipal lien search. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the owner's policy, the title, municipal lien search are always a flat rate. 
Um, then you have to the right of that, the HOA, recording other fees, seller fees. And then that little section that says other, if you're a buyer looking to, to ask the seller for closing costs, that right. section right there is what you put right there. Yes. So right. if you're asking for 2% or $500, whatever the number, that's where you put it. There's two places right. where you put it. That's one of them. Yes. And so section B is cost to be paid by the buyer. And yes. you can see there's significantly more closing costs than there is to the seller. Yep. So the yep. biggest expense other than the paying off the mortgage itself for a seller is the commissions. And that's, yeah. and that's pretty much the biggest expense for a buyer. You pretty much paying almost all the same money that a, a, um, or not and more than you would as a seller. And that's the reason why commissions go to sellers, which is an entirely yeah. different subject, but yeah. just to kind of give you like an understanding, but because buyers can't finance commissions and then sellers have the greatest gain and the lowest Correct. closing costs in comparison to a buyer. Right. So yep. in today's market, I'm doing this with a lot of my buyers, Jared, I don't know about you, but I'm also getting um, some offers, not every, not a lot of offers where buyers are playing the seller's closing costs. And you can see there where it yeah. says other yep. buyers, that's where you would put it. Yep. Buyer pays 0 .007 yep. or doc stamps on the deed and the amount right. that's yep. there. Yep. And it's a, it's a, ultimately it's a strategy to help win a contract. If, yep. you know, if you're in, you're, we're in a competitive market. So not only am I going to give you a full price offer, I'm going to help you with some mm -hmm. of your closing costs too. So it's uh it's definitely a strategy. So, um, yep. again, I do it all the time, something to look through something to be, you know, aware of typically it's, you know, most mm -hmm. of the time we, we kind of, unless there's just a ton of offers coming into a seller, This'll, you know, it'll be blank. Um, you know, you, yeah. sellers aren't sellers aren't gonna pay, you know, anything for the buyers right now. Yeah, uh, not right you now. Know, if anything, Depending the buyers, on where you are. Correct. Um, so again, just something, you know, if they're not blank, again, talk to your agent, figure yep. out why they're not blank, and then go yep. from there. Um, before we before we go on even further, I just want yeah. you guys to know that in section B and in section A, all those things, majority of the rest of this contract is going to be disclosures and standards. The disclosures are common addendums that go with the contract if the yep. scenario calls for it. And then the standards are pretty much definitions of our commonly used um, terminology. And yep. you can see here, as we go a little bit further, how costs be paid by the buyer will be starting to break down and into like a further definition. Right. So this next box right here, if you scroll down to section C is seller shall design, shall designate a little yes. further down. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. Seller shall designate closing agent and pay for owner's policy, all owner's policy and charges. Well, if you yep. scroll back up to the seller section, what does it say right there? Owner's policy and charges. As, yep. as a second thing. So you can start seeing here as we further get down how it's going to be further broken down because we're in, again, the era of no before you owe. Correct. So go and ahead, Jared, take it from there. Well, typically, so this, you know, the first box here is, is the one that's typically checked. The seller is going to choose the title company. The seller is going to pay or they're going to yeah designate the closing agent and pay for the owner's policy and charges. Um, 
I actually haven't had any contracts where this one is is ticked. At least, oh, you all know. the time. Do you? Yep, all the time. No. Uh, when? Yeah. What kind of is it? Is it a strategy somebody's using? Um, Stonebridge or Stone Key? Um, okay. That that major investment company. They also yeah, okay. have their so, own yeah. their own title so, company and everything. So so that makes sense. I mean, if it's a if it's a an investment company that has their own title company, then yes, then yeah, that investment company is going to use their own title company and escrow and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But yep. typically for what I see on residential stuff, it's if it's not an investor, if it's just, you know, one person to another person, mm-hmm. the seller, you know, this box is checked. The seller is picking the, the closing company, the closing agent and paying for paying yeah. for it. So, yeah, and the they split costs. So that first box is where, excuse me, the seller pays for their owner's policy yes. and the buyers yep. pay for their own owner's policy. Right. The buyer shall designate closing agent and pay for owner's policy and charges. You're actually accumulating more right. charges, more costs. You're willing Correct. to pay for the seller's owner policy in a, in a, in a, in a sense. So Correct. I got to be careful with my interpretation here. Um, but in essence, the most commonly checked box is that first one. Yes. Um, and then, so we're not going to talk about this is Miami Dade. They kind of have their own thing going down there. We're not down mm-hmm. there, so we're not going to worry about it. So, yep. Um, let's see. Home warranty. Right now, most of the time, it's it's not a, uh, applicable. But uh, every once in a while, you might see, you know, somebody requesting one that the seller pays for a home warranty or something. If it's old appliances or something, maybe. But mm-hmm. uh, typically right now, it's going to be um, an A or you can you can designate some sort of uh, amount, you know, not to exceed some certain amount. You know, typically a, a home warranty is what, five, six, seven hundred bucks, something like that, depending on the yeah. size of the home, what kind of appliances, if, is there a pool that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and you can, as a buyer, you can ask the seller for it. You can split it with the seller or you can yeah. do it yourself and you can do yeah. it at any time. So if the inspection period comes up saying that the AC is at the end of its life, but still working within its efficiency range, but you're not feeling too good about it because you're already dishing out down payment and closing costs. I don't want this thing to break down in the middle of summer, two months into me living here. I'm not going to be able to afford it to replace it. So therefore right. you want, you can, but you can afford a warranty up to say like five, $600 for a one or a two year warranty. And then you can apply that in the middle of the contract. You just got to make sure that your agent gets that information to the title and the lender. That way they are aware of it. Right. Uh, let's see. Special um, assessments. Special assessments. So this is an interesting one. So most of the contracts that I've been getting are checked with B. So let's talk about special assessments real quick. Um, these aren't the same as what a condo, a condominium, um, are going to do, you know, if they have to put on a new roof and they don't have the budget for it, they're going to put out a special assessment to all the owners in the condo. This special assessment comes from a government, some sort of government body, the county, the city, something like that. Let's say they're going to uh, repave the road or something around your house, and then tip, sometimes what they'll do is the con or the the county will come in. They'll they'll say, "Hey, we're going to repave your road, 
and then we're going to put an assessment onto your property tax. So they're going to have you pay an extra, uh, extra amount on top of your, your property tax for the next five years or whatever, until they recoup the cost of what it took to, to repave the road. Mm-hmm. So what this is, is <clears throat> if, uh, option a is checked, I, you know, the seller pays for any assessments all the way up until closing. And then the buyer takes it over from there. If option B is checked, the seller is responsible for the full amount. So if the assessment is for the next five years, let's say it's a $10,000 assessment spread out over five years. Well, guess what? If option B is checked, you, the seller, have to pay that full $10,000 in addition to everything else that you're paying Mm -hmm. at, at closing. All yep. that has to be reconciled before you actually close on the property. Yeah. And I've been getting this one quite a bit. The default, if neither one of them are checked, then option A shall be deemed selected. There's a reason for that because the most fair option is the seller mm-hmm. pays it before it's closed. The buyer pays it after it's mm-hmm. closed. It's one I, of the reasons why I love the as contract because it truly is fair. Yes, it's a really fair just by standard default. It's yes. fair. Yes. Yep. And and, you know, most of the time, you know, if there's going to be some sort of assessment, you kind of have an idea of what the county is going to be doing in your neighborhood um, for neighborhoods that, you know, maybe have some old roads or, you know, you're just unsure. Make mm-hmm. sure that this box is checked. Yep. Anytime you're going through this contract, if you look for things like this that the default option is a particular thing and that default option is not ticked, is not checked, make sure, you know, look at it as a red flag, talk to your agent about it and figure out why it's not checked and then go from there. So that's kind of how, you know, I when I talk to sellers and buyers, I, I usually say when you're looking at it, if the default option is not checked, talk to me, call me, let me know what you're thinking. And chances, you know, I've already seen it. I already know what's going on, but mm-hmm. um, I want, you know, my buyers, I want my sellers to be able to look at this and understand what's what's going on. Yep. Um, so not, you know, pretty straightforward. Do you have anything else to say on, on this one? Nope. I think the point was pretty much conveyed. Yep. Um, so this see. next section is just pure disclosures. Yeah. Disclosures. Huh. Um, I, I, this is just a, a timestamp here. That's, yeah, it's nothing. Uh, that um, only applies if you're in a flood zone, anyways. Correct. So the next we can big one this. is here's going the, to be here's here's the next big one. So this is the property inspection. So yep. again, uh, the default is fifteen. Right now, typically, I'm seeing about a seven day, sometimes even a five day inspection yeah. period. It's so five, what, five what, to seven. what an inspection period is, that's the time that you sign the contract. It's accepted. I now have five days. I now have seven days to hire an inspector to get out, get out to that house to do whatever other due diligence that I'm going to do before this time period runs out, because this is the only time period that you are going to have in order to back out of the contract without any con- consequence. So uh-huh. you can back out for any reason that you need. You don't have to give a reason to the seller. 
uh, you just let your agent know that it's it's not going to work. Yep. It's, it's not going to work, and I, I'm going to back out. It, it literally says a buyer's sole discretion. Correct. So you could, you could wake up being like, mm, my gut feeling or my spirit says not right. to buy this house. Right. So you can actually do that, and right you – literally get your deposit back and the seller agrees to that it doesn't mean the seller is not gonna fight you on it but it does does mean that you will get your deposit back this right here this section section 12 is the meat and potatoes of the as is contract yes literally this is this is it yeah so um yeah. But in the event that any inspection that you do results into some damage to the property, you have you have to you are obligated by this contract to uh, remediate it, fix it, or give the seller a check to fix it, and it must be enough to fix it uh, completely back to its original state. Um, to further kind of implement this, the inspection period falls into a calendar day. So you, this is, yes. uh, Jared, I don't know about you, but I get, I've gotten into a lot of arguments uh, with uh, listing agents mm-hmm. about um, about this. This falls under a calendar day because an, a, an inspector can go out on a holiday. An inspector can be there on a Saturday or Sunday. Correct. So essentially, you have until 11.59 p.m. to cancel, to, to submit a cancel and release. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm going to tell you, do not contact your agent at 11 50 PM to cancel this contract because it's not going to fly. Right. Um, they're most likely going to be asleep because I will be. And, and so, and what I think if you are going to cancel after the inspection, you, it, you have to think, take in consideration that somebody is still going to purchase this property. And if this property has enough issues with it that you feel like um, it's going to be a recurrent issue and that it's I would I always try to advocate to give your inspection reports to the seller so they can properly disclose it to the next buyer. So that right. next buyer is not shelling out five to seven hundred dollars for inspections. And they're aware and they can make their determination long before they can go under contract. Right. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I always do when I'm a listing agent and someone backs out because of the inspection. I ask them like, we'll give you the money back, but please give us the reports. Yeah. So we can inform the next buyer. Right. Yeah. It's, pl- yeah. it's playing nice in a sandbox. It's playing nice Correct. in a sandbox and it's super Correct. important. It is. It is. The biggest takeaway from this section is if you need to back out, you got to do it yeah. within that time, that time frame. You want to know um, how important this section is? The entire thing is bolded and italicized. Yes. Yeah. It's the at, only, look, <laughs> the rest of this the contract rest. is not. Yes. It's normal text. This one is bold. So and italicized. And italicized. So yes, it, it's important. So if you're gonna back out, you have to do it within that day or within this time period. Do yep. all your due diligence. And if you're doing if you're if you're gonna do a short inspection period of five day, make sure before you're even signing and, and sending this contract over that you already if you're a buyer, that you already have your inspector lined up because I've yep. seen a couple of times where, you know, a seller, you know, a buyer comes in, 
they send us the uh, the contract and they have like a five day inspection mm-hmm. period. And then they call me up like three days later. They're like, hey, I need to extend my inspection period because I can't find an inspector. Well, that's your fault. What so. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I gave you five days. I accepted the contract because mm-hmm. it was a good price and you're you only needed five days mm-hmm. to do it. Now you need more. Yeah. Like, no, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I, nope. So. so before we go any further, we got to address Derek's question. Does a home inspection yes. really cover the pool and make sure it is up to standard? Yes and no. So if you're going to hire an inspector, the inspector needs, I would, re- I would recommend it being a pool inspector. Yeah. That way they can give you, because during this inspection period, you can have any inspection you want. Mold, mildew, WDO, general, windmill, four point septic. Yep. Pool, yep. Um, anything and everything drywall. Yep. And um, so I would, I would recommend that you get it because it is part of the property. It's a fixed structure. Mm-hmm. They're super common. Mm-hmm. And if the pool, is, if it tells you that the pool is not running in condition or it's the lining is being chipped away, it needs to be replaced. Right. That's up to you uh, as a consumer, as the buyer to, to figure out what you want to do with that. If you saw the property as you put it in the offer, before you put it in the offer and every the water was blue, everything was in good condition and running. And by the time the inspection come, it's green. Well, that actually falls under the pro- section 11, the right. property maintenance. Right. So you can actually go back to the seller and be like, Hey, this needs to be, and it even says it right there. Go ahead and yep. um, unclick it and pull. So it has to maintain in that certain, in that same condition. But if you saw the pool, already green halfway filled it's not has it run or been turned on right that's essentially how you're purchasing it and Correct. it's up to you as the consumer to get a pool inspection to to ensure that it is um either in working condition or right. um the best that it, whatever a pool inspector does for the property essentially so. whatever condition the property is at the time of the contract is how it should be at the time of closing when you buy the house that's yeah that's There's, how it should be minus, yes. you know, you know, all your, you know, all the seller stuff needs to be out and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. And, and they have to clean yeah. it and make sure it's presentable. Right. And there's a couple of things that when it comes to working condition versus something that is essentially defective. Right. And there's, there's a lot of nuances into that. Right. Um, that we can get really deep into scenario weeds. Um, and I, we just don't have time for it. And Jerry, to be yeah. honest with you, we're going to have to do a part two for the far bar contract because another hour and a half for the far bar is just going to be yeah. a little lengthy. Yeah. You know, and the reason I want to go with this one is just because it's, it's the most common one. I mean, the far bar, right. like I said, we don't, we don't see it too much right now. Um, the as is, is the one that, that, uh, that we're losing, that we're using. Mm-hmm. And you can see, I'm, I'm, you know, here's the, the inspection section. This stuff, I'm just going to scroll through because, like I said, this is all stuff that we can't change. We're not going to change. If any, if you ever see a contract where an agent has crossed any of this stuff out, and oh, red flag, yeah. red, 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 red flag, crimson. Um, you know, we need to, we need to be on the the horn and what the heck is going on. But so yeah. you know, again, it's it's stuff to read, it's stuff to understand, but it's not stuff that we're gonna we're gonna cover here just because it's not something that we're going to change um mm-hmm. hey so that's jared why, yeah we go back up real quick 
yeah. to the default, default and yep. dispute resolution. We should do a video on that. Just okay. that alone. Yeah. Just do a bunch of scenarios. Yeah. Yep. I think that would be a good one. Yep. What happens when the buyer defaults? What happens when the seller defaults? Who's yep. entitled to that escrow? Yes. That would be a really good uh, video for a lot of people. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, so uh, right now what he's scanning through is essentially standards. And again, that's that terminology, the commonly used terminology that we use within our yeah. um, our yeah. industry. So this section yeah. here is addendums and additional terms. So depending on your loan type or the scenario at play, you're going to need to select some of these addendums. It's not very often where you don't need an addendum or at all. Um, but it, whatever applies. So if you're in an HOA, you would uh, select the HOA writer or addendum. If you're FHA or VA, you would select that. Yeah. Um, defective drywall, anything between 2002 to 2007. Yes. Anything then older than anything older than 78, you would need a lead-based paint. If you yeah. are a seller that is contingent upon the sale of your house, meaning if you have to sell your house in Correct. order to buy the next house, mm -hmm. then you would select that. Or if you're a buyer who has to sell your house in right. order to purchase the next one, you would need that addendum. Mm -hmm. and, and then it just goes on from there. Any type of scenario, any type right. of additional terms. Right. I'm waiving the appraisal. I Correct. am. I want to contribute to the seller's closing costs. I want the seller to purchase some of my closing costs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's whatever in additional terms. That's where we'll go right there. And I think Jerry just had a dog, a dog fight. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know, the goats were knocking at the door or something. Um, but yeah, what additional else? terms, uh, all your addendums. Make sure that the addendums are checked and make sure that they are... Um, yes, I'm doing a video here. <laughs> so make sure make sure the addendums are, are going along with the contract when they apply. And make sure yes. those are filled out as well. Yes. So, sorry, that was that was my oldest. He came. He's like peeking around. I'm like, I can't even concentrate now because <laughs> there's so much going on. That's great. It's it's fine. Um, uh, but that's it, it, man. But yeah, make sure make sure these addendums, if they're checked, make sure they're actually there. That's that's what I was trying to say. Is I've seen a couple of times where these you know these two are checked, mm -hmm. and I get the contract. But then I don't get this addendum. I don't get this one to know what, okay, what are we appraising? You know, what's, what's the debt, you know, the cutoff yeah. for the appraisal? What is the FHA, you know, criteria that you're setting for, for this uh, purchase? Yep. Um, so all this stuff has to be there, especially, you know, this one right here, if it's pre-1978, this is a big deal. You also get a little pamphlet that talks about lead paint and, mm -hmm. and the dangers and everything like that. Yep. So, you know, all these things are super, super important to make sure that they're actually attached to the mm -hmm. contract. Um, and ultimately, it really conveys uh, competence yes. as a as a buyer's agent and yep. as well as when the listing agent uh, points these things out to the yep. seller, like this offer may be lower by like five thousand dollars. 
but this contract is complete. Here's Correct. all their addendums. Here's their yes. pre-approval letter. Oh, yep. look, here's a letter to the seller. Whereas this contract, yeah, maybe five, ten thousand dollars more, but right. it's incomplete. I have no pre-approval letter. I don't Correct. have. I don't know yeah. what their terms are. Like, yep. there's the we're missing disclosures, and you really have to say is like who's going to get this job done at the end of the day because yep. as a listing agent you can you can call the other agent all day long but that person doesn't have to pick up their phone if they don't want to they could Correct. be an absent person who only does this part-time yep. and and so like it's competence 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 and yeah it's the biggest takeaway yep. for having a clean offer it is it is it it looks good it's more presentable and it's, you know, the cleanest offers are going to be the strongest or, you know, it's, it's going to help to advocate for your offer. Um, this, this last section here is, you know, so you, you get the offer, you reviewed all the stuff that we just talked about, and then you're either going to, you, you basically have, uh, you know, three options. You're either going to counter the offer uh, and, and it could be price. It could just be just the price. It could be a, any one of those, you know, fill in items. It could mm-hmm. be the inspection date. I had one, the guy wanted a, a 20 day inspection. Oh we my countered, God. you know, we countered back with 10. There's, you know, some nuances to the house. There's a lot of due diligence that needs to be done. So he was asking for 21. We said, we'll give you 10, you know, but so it doesn't have to just be purchase price. It could be you know, any one of these things that, um, uh-huh. that we can, we can edit. Uh, so again, I said, there's, there's three things. You're either going to counter, you're going to reject it, or you're going to accept the offer. Uh-huh. Those are really the three main things that, that you're going to do when you see an offer. Um, I mean, do you agree with that or, or do you have something no, that's, different? Yeah. That is 100% it, yeah. Yeah. So. And the thing is, the um, the seller doesn't necessarily need to even say seller rejects the offer by clicking that box. Correct. You can easily, essentially, it's everything's in writing through email is a form Correct. of negotiation. Be like, right. seller rejects it or right. no response at all. Correct. A no yeah, no I've response got, is that. the same as, as, a, as a, a rejection. rejection. So, yeah. You know, it, it is nice, you know, it is kind of a courtesy thing to at least let the other party know that, hey, mm-hmm. we're going with another offer. Or if that's the yeah. only offer that, hey, we're we're rejecting your offer. Just you don't even have to counter. Yeah. Part of a strategy is for the seller to not even counter and just say, hey, you know, essentially come up with something better. And yeah. then, you know, we're not even going to counter what you what you offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are there are um years worth of just scenarios stored up in my head of just uh crazy um off wall just no consideration no thought process to to how these uh some of these buyers agents and and and, um investors i'll get emails saying like will your seller accept 164,000?" i'll literally respond and say lol is that your down payment? <laughs> that's like, right. Like, right. And for a house that's like two hundred and fifty thousand oh, yeah. dollars, just like, are you are you serious yeah. right now? And it's funny. Yeah. It's like you're you're literally emailing me, yeah, and saying like, and with that with with contracts, you know. And my biggest thing is, you know, we get verbal offers, we get these email offers. At the end of the day, if it's if it's not a contract, 
in my my opinion, it's not a valid offer. It's it's not even I an agree. offer. It's just yeah. I mean, I can I can walk up to anybody and say, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks for that watch. But Damn. unless it's in a contract, you know, it, it doesn't really mean yeah, a whole lot. Exactly. You know, so it's what's in writing. Especially for real estate. So I mean, yeah, we get all these emails and you know, I got one the other day. The house was listed at three twenty nine. Hey, I'll give you two twenty five cash. Would your yes. would your seller be willing to to you know do that? And I, I you know, I, I didn't even bother it with a response. You know, but yeah, that's but again. If why would you even email me? Just if just fill us. You know, if you're an agent, I can fill one of these out in probably about five or ten minutes. You know, most of the a stuff. A good one. A good a one. Good like one. after yeah. after after some spe- experience, like Correct. you should be able to knock Correct. that out in ten ten minutes. So 15. so if if I'm gonna offer somebody something, I'm just gonna fill one of these out. I'm gonna send it over to them. So at least it's official because guess what? If the seller wants to to accept it, I don't want them to come back and say, all right, we'll fill it out. By the time I fill it out, send it back to them, they may change their mind. If I'm yep. gonna, you know, if I'm going to offer them something, I'm going to send it to them. So all they got to do is sign mm. and then they send it back and then, Hey, we're under contract now. So mm-hmm. it's, it, yeah. you know, you might as well just, just do it. So yeah, all these emails and stuff, it, it just doesn't mean anything yeah. unless you have the actual offer. It's pretty wild. So, so the key difference again, for between the as is and a standard far bar, contract is that meat and potatoes of the the inspection the right to inspect and cancel um and it's it's super important uh that you know exactly um which one that you want to go with because you can submit an offer to a seller on the far bar guarantee for um uh uh repairs so it's it's really about what you want to do but Personally, uh, not personally, but professionally, I will always kind of recommend the as-is contract just because it's going to be um, so much easier for yeah. both both parties. Yeah. Because yeah. also one thing that we didn't discuss, Jared, is that as a seller and a buyer, the buyer still has a right to request repairs. And there's a there's a fine line there on what you can request, and the seller has the right to say no to those repairs. Right. So if it's a if it is a repair that is going to hold up insurance or hold yep. up um, financing, then the seller, yep. if you want the deal to go through, you should be inclined to go ahead and fix those items for insurance purposes and financing purposes. Yeah. If, if you don't and you say, no, I'm not fixing it. This is as is you're pretty ignorant because the next buyer you go to is going to have that exact same problem, that exact same issue. And you're going to yeah. be like, what's with, you're going to blame everyone except for accepting the fact that um, you have this issue that's going to yeah. hold up insurance and ultimately going to hold up financing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts? No, I mean, when it comes to the contracts, just you know, be, look through be it. Smart. You know, be smart. Talk to your agent. Um, if you're not, you know, using if you're not dealing with an agent, you know, you're using a real estate lawyer. I mean, mm. they're you know great. perfectly fine. Um, nonetheless, talk to somebody who has filled one of these out, who has looked at it more than just one time. Because a lot of times for sellers, a lot of times for buyers, 
This is the very first time or maybe second time that they've ever seen one of these contracts, but I guarantee you that most of them have just kind of perused it, looked over, okay, the purchase price, that's good. Closing date, that's good. Mm. Okay, sign. And then that's yep. that's about it. Honestly, that, you know, before I got into real estate and, you know, and I bought my first house, that's literally what I did. I looked at the purchase price. I looked at closing date. Okay, that sounds good. None of the other yeah. stuff made sense to me. Yeah, that's because I didn't know scary. anything about it. So, <laughs> but I so signed scary. my name to it, and I'm liable for it. So, again, just just make sure, um, you know, you even if your agent it. hasn't offered, go to your agent and say, "Hey, can you just give me the quick and dirty of what I'm signing here?" Yeah. And do I need anything to be concerned of? Is there yes. anything that's going to hold yeah. us up? Like, yeah. What What are we looking at here? Correct. And just Just do it. Like. Yeah. You know, I, I've actually gotten calls from people who are working with other agents and say, hey, does this sound right? And it's just like yeah. it's kind of it's mildly insulting. Right. <laughs> it's insulting <laughs> because you're you're you you went you come to me after you're already working with another agent and you're asking me for advice. So right. it's just like, wow. So you knew in your gut you should have gone with me, but you went with someone else because of someone else's feelings. Correct. So it's it's kind of wild, but enough petty pettiness but you know right. ask your agent yes ask your agent ask your agent yep. and if you still feel that they're incompetent yeah. um, or not getting giving you the the response or answers that you're looking for then yeah. absolutely reach out to me or reach out to jared or reach out to any one of your other friends um for for advice because at the end of the day it's just like this is uh an overwhelming purchase so yeah. Yeah. And as a seller, again, same thing applies to you. Like this is an overwhelming thing to sell. You don't want to get yeah. screwed out of any money. Yeah. And you um, so just reach out to somebody. Yeah. I mean, this is you, when you when it comes down to it, your house is probably the most expensive thing that you own. It's the most expensive thing that I own. Same. Um, you know, I don't I don't have, you know, super fancy cars and that are worth more, you know, some people buy cars that are more worth more than their house, which, you know, good for them. But my home, I don't, understand most, that. I, I don't but um, my home is the most expensive thing that I own. So when I'm going to sell it or when I'm going to buy a new one, I want to make sure that you understand everything. I understand everything that I'm getting into because it is a legal document. This is something that you can be taken to court and sued if you breach mm -hmm. contract and not just yep. sued for your escrow, not just sued for a little bit here and there. I'm talking about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what kind of house that, you know, you were trying to buy or you're trying to sell and somehow you breach the contract. You're talking lawsuits that are, you know, 30, 40, 50, you know, up to a hundred thousand dollars, depending oh, on the circumstance. Yep. You know, when you when you start Easy. throwing in lawyer costs and and court fees and mm -hmm. all the damages and, you know, the, if you're a buyer, that seller has already moved out and vacated and emptied out the home and then you decided not to buy it. Now they have to go on back on the market and they have to. I mean, there's there's endless, endless amounts of, of things that they're going to hit you for. And you you really want to be sure uh, about what you're signing when it comes to yes. these contracts. And you have to be literally, as a buyer, willing to purchase that property. Correct. And then as a seller, you have to be literally willing to sell that property. Because yep. if you're a seller and you decide to change your mind the last minute, 
Yep. That's that buyer can sue you to, to yeah. sell that house. And right. majority of the time, if your breach of contract is a seller, that buyer is definitely getting your house. And not mm -hmm. only that, you're paying for your lawyer and you're paying for the buyer's lawyer. Yes. And then you're paying court costs. Yep. And I'm telling you, it's not going to end well. You're and by that time selling that house unless yeah. you have concrete proof that the buyer's in breach of contract or you are no longer obligated by the contract. Yeah. Promise you it's not gonna end well as a seller. Yeah. yeah. So one hundred percent. Well, I mean, we've we've kind of as we always do, we always, you know, beat it up with a dead, you know, beat it with a dead horse. What what's the saying? <laughs> beat beat it with a dead, dead horse. Beat a dead horse. Yeah. That's, I don't know, that sounds kind of vulgar. <laughs> Ah, well, we just know. wanted to lay down the hammer, um, but we just want to make sure people understood and conveyed yeah. the message clearly. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you have a better understanding of what a contract is, what the real estate uh, contracts are. Again, there's different, you know, different contracts. The as is, the uh, far bar, which is the non as is contract. There's differences as far as the non as is requires the seller to pay for certain repairs. Whereas the as is, it just what it says. It's as, as is, is the house well, we just is went as over. is, yep. and you know addendums and everything like that. If you're still unsure about something, I mean, you know, and you're watching this, leave us a comment in the uh, the comment section. Whether you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, uh, it should be down below somewhere. Um, and you know, and we'll get we'll get back to you. Yeah. You know, I, we're Chris and I are pretty active on on social media. So, um, or you know, find our numbers and and send us a text. Literally, I it's, mean, it's you, public information. You yeah, can find it under my Facebook page. Yep, you can send us a text Instagram. anytime. Send me, I, nope. I tell you what, send me a text saying, you know, just so I know that you're watching this. Send me a text, just just something stupid, a smiley face, and be like, hey, what's up? Something like that. I don't care. Just I want to see who's watching it. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, kind of change the subject a little bit so one of our fellow agents and i didn't know him personally i've i've met him i think once uh chris mm -hmm. you knew him a little bit better so i'll kind of let you talk yeah about so a, a really good buddy of mine and colleague justin gomez recently lost his fight to um covid pneumonia and mm -hmm. um he is definitely one of the the nicest people a, a community of people are really hurt right now and um, I've known him pretty much my entire real estate career. So going on yeah. seven years now. And um, I definitely cried. I lost uh, I lost a lot of um, faith today because he was a young guy. He mm -hmm. leaves behind an amazing wife and three kids, three awesome kids. And he was essentially their rock. He was essentially the breadwinner for that. And Jared, can, if you could throw up the uh, GoFundMe page, yeah as you can see we've already matched the goal but people are still donating as you can see and it's really help out with his expenses mm -hmm. to um to diana his wife and to his kids because like i said he was pretty much the sole provider and um yeah it definitely it hurts it hurts a lot so i'm gonna i'm gonna post the uh the yeah. uh, GoFundMe, I posted it in the comments there. So, so anything, if, uh, anything yeah, that you, you guys can contribute, I'd really appreciate it. And yeah. um, his, he shouldn't have lost this fight, 
to be honest with you, because he was transferred to Advent Health, where they told him that he there was an ECMO machine that would help him. And when he got there, they said, sorry, we don't have one. So to me, it yeah. smells like wrongful death. Um, and there's definitely some lawyers who are going to look into it. But anybody who can donate, I don't care if it's dollar or 50 cents. And if you can donate something to help, yeah. help with his um, amount of medical bills, as you can imagine, his yeah. service, everything yeah. that's going to be needed. So. Yeah. And this is this is going to you know his wife his kids mm -hmm. uh just to help with with all that stuff you know he from what i understand he was the the main you know breadwinner i guess for the house yeah. and uh you know so that it's a big big loss uh for the for their family so yeah. um but you know cheers to cheers to justin cheers to the family all right chris all right brother well Let's i appreciate everybody that uh stuck it out with us and if you oh, haven't you. checked out the last couple of episodes do that on our facebook page mm -hmm. uh you should be able to find a posting there i'm going to post a link in the comments to the previous one where we talked about getting your home listed. And if you're on YouTube, uh, check out some other, my other videos. I do a market report every single month, uh, somewhere around the 25th, 26th and talking about different counties in the state of Florida. Uh, and if you have, um, a particular County that I don't cover in my market report, let me know in the comments. And then I will, I've had a couple of comments already where I've included, uh, uh, Marion County and, uh, Duval County. And then, hmm. uh, there's a couple other comments that I've had that in my next, uh, uh, market report, I've got a couple more counties coming up. So, awesome. so it's, it's going to eventually turn into a multi video kind of thing because otherwise it's going to take me, you know, 20 minutes to get through uh, a market report. But, Nonetheless, I love when you guys comment and let me know what county that you're in. So then that way I know where to focus my uh, market reports because that's who I want to help out. So um, yeah. so again, uh, check out my my Facebook page. Chris, uh, what's what's yours? Uh, the Noon Group. So Noon it's, group. Pretty, it's pretty simple to find out. You can either yep. Google my name. You can. Yep. I think that's the easiest thing. Google my name, Chris Noon. Uh, yep. Essentially, 21 on the Clark, I come up really easily. Yep. So same thing with Facebook, Instagram. There's not a lot of people with the name Chris Noon on it, so it should be, yep. be able to pick me up really quick. Or yep. the Noon Group. And so, Noon is spelled N-E-U-N. Jared, if you yep. could uh, throw that into the text so people can like understand what <laughs> the spelling of my last name. It always seems to be a little bit of a hiccup for people. There Thanks, we go. man. Appreciate it. The Noon Group. And then, uh, so the Noon Group or JDA Florida Homes, we're both Century Twenty One uh, out Alton Clark agents. Ah, yeah, and, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but I really appreciate but, everyone for coming yeah. in tonight. Appreciate it. Thank I you. love all the questions that we had tonight. And if you have more questions, make sure you let us know in the comments. All right, guys, thanks for watching. We'll see you like, next time. Like Bye. and subscribe.